0: Welcome back to another episode of Watch Once, Never Again, where we traumatize ourselves so you don't have to by watching really sad movies from Lars von Trier. I'm Mary Beth, <laughs> and I'm Dax. And uh, today we're talking about the podcast of the podcast. Jesus, the movie that really kind of brought this podcast to life. We are talking about Dancer in the Dark. Sorry in advance. Oh
1: boy. Wow, It's it's so great because, um, I think when people like know, like when they hear that we have like a disturbing movie podcast and this is something we've had to kind of figure out how to handle. Um, I think that they just automatically think that we are only talking about like August underground and, uh, (laughs) Uh, the guinea pig series and stuff like that. And it's like, sure. Maybe it's maybe at some point we might entertain the idea of like something like that, but this is more emotionally devastating in my opinion. And therefore Uh, more disturbing. Yep. 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 yep, Like these kinds of movies. Like I, I love movies that make you uncomfortable and you think about them forever like I I can see I I mean maybe this sounds weird but I can watch something like um I've seen August Underground I didn't like it I thought it was disturbing and that it's so like uh gory and I mean brutal is like an understatement but then I I just never I don't think about it ever you know because it's like what is it saying yeah, not, not exactly. that every movie needs to be saying something, but you know what I mean. Like, no, that, I 100% that didn't agree. disturb me. Like, uh, yes, in the way that I think it's about it, shocking. Yeah, it's shocking, but did it get under my skin forever and ever? I would say no.
0: Yes, but yeah, I think, like you said, I am very glad that we cover movies like this because it also like shows that disturbing doesn't always mean what people assume it means. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Because I will never watch this movie ever again.
1: (laughs) And you had never seen it before, right?
0: I had never seen it in my life. And I had avoided it for the reasons that... (laughs) Because everyone was like, it's so sad. And I never... I actually... Well, do we want to do the synopsis first before I talk about it? Or how do you want to?
1: Um, Sure, if you want me to do that real quick. Just don't forget I don't what you care. were saying.
0: Yeah, I won't. I won't. Okay. I, I, I promise you I will not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So I have it pulled up here. It looks um, surprisingly short on Wikipedia. Oh, really? So okay. we'll see how accurate it is. And we'll kind of take it apart, I guess, if we need to. <laughs> I will Dismantle it. We'll be the judge. We'll we'll be the judge of that. Um. So it says in Washington State in 1964, Selma. Now I'm not reading that. It's a check name. <laughs> it's like J E Z with a swiggle, K O V A, with an accent. Is it do okay. You think? I think it's Justova. Okay. Well, I said that easier than I thought I could. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, in <laughs> Washington State in 1964, Selma Jaskova, a Czech immigrant, has moved to the, the United States with her 12-year-old son, Jean. That's a different name. Um, no. They live... <laughs> Jess, Jessic, maybe? Um, sorry to any Czech people. Um, I don't know how to say your names, and that is my fault. Um, they live a life of poverty as Selma works at a factory with her good friend, Kathy, whom she whom she nicknames Cavalda. She rents a trailer home on the property of town. Uh, that is, I don't think that's how sentences work. She rents a trailer (laughs) home on the property of town. Policeman, Bill Houston and his wife, Linda. That's not Okay, so t- to clarify that, she rents a trailer home on the property. Oh, she- the town policeman. It cuts off at a weird point. <laughs> I
0: can't read. Wow, this is incredible. Oh. We're doing really good this morning. We're recording this on a Sunday morning. And we're Legit really... about to st- <laughs> Like, I'm I woke up start
1: over. 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Fuck my life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you read it okay if you read it it that it doesn't look like that's how sentences work but it is no, that's, okay no she that's, that's a happened to me <laughs> a
0: couple times with wikipedia where i'm like that is not how a sentence works and i'm like maybe it is and i'm just a dumbass but that's not how
1: <laughs> words work <laughs> i'll just rephrase it she rents a trailer home on the property that belongs to the town policeman, Bill Houston, and his wife, Linda. She's also pursued by the shy but persistent Jeff, who also works at the factory. That was a lot of also's. Um, Soma. <laughs> everyone's a critic. Selma has a degenerative, degenerative eye condition and is losing her vision. She has been saving up to pay for an operation that will prevent her young son from losing his vision. She also takes part in rehearsals for the production of The Sound of Music and accompanies Kathy to the local cinema where together they watch Hollywood musicals as Kathy describes them to her. In her day to day life, Selma slips into daydreams, imagining that she's in a musical. Jeff and Kathy begin to realize that Selma's vision is worse than they thought, and she's been cheating at her vision tests by memorizing the charts to keep her job at the factory. Bill, re- Bill reveals to Selma that his materialistic wife spends more than his salary and the bank is going to take his house. He tells her he planned to shoot himself but couldn't bring himself to do it. To comfort Bill, Selma reveals that she's going blind, hoping that together they can keep each other secret. Bill pretends to leave Selma's trailer but stays knowing she can't see him and watches her hide money in a tin. The next day, after accidentally breaking a machine at the factory, Selma is fired from her job. When she comes home to put her money in the tin, she discovers it's empty. Selma realizes that Bill stole it and is go- and goes to his house to confront him. Linda accuses Selma of trying to seduce her husband, explaining that Bill told her Selma wanted him for his money. Not wanting to expose Bill's secret that she promised not to tell, Selma ignores Linda and goes upstairs to confront Bill about the theft. He pulls a gun on her and they fight over the money. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's that's an angry angry snort. So everyone
1: knows. Uh, Selma accidentally shoots Bill, who yells for Linda and tells her that Selma tried to rob him linda runs off to tell the police at bill's command bill then begs selma to kill him telling her that this will be the only way she will ever reclaim the money that he stole from her selma shoots him several times but due to her blindness manages to only maim bill further when the gun runs out of bullets selma beats him to death with the safe deposit box selma slips into a trance and and imagines that bill's corpse stands up and slow dances with her selma takes her money back and uses it to pay for Jean's operation jeff not knowing about the murder takes selma to rehearsal where her director calls the police on her in court she's accused of being a communist sympathizer and of pretending to be blind to exploit the american healthcare system although she tells as much truth about the situation as she can she refuses to reveal bill's secret saying that she had promised not to When her claim that the reason she did not have any money was because she had been sending it uh, to her father in Czechoslovakia is proven false, she's convicted of murder and given the death penalty. Kathy and Jeff eventually figure out what happened and get back Selma's money, using it instead to pay for a trial lawyer who can free her. Selma refuses the lawyer, opting to face the death penalty rather than let her son go blind, but she is deeply distraught as she awaits her death. As Selma begins crying, Kathy runs in to tell her that the operation was successful and that Jean will see. Relieved, Selma sings the final song on the gallows with no musical accompaniment. The trap door opens and she is killed mid-song. The end. Ooh. So, now that we have read that, um... Do you remember what you were saying?
0: So, I okay, I have never seen this movie on purpose because this movie was it's like always on those lists of um, like disturbing movies, blah, blah, blah. And like, I usually love those, like, I usually would go to those lists for suggestions. But after one, hearing about it after I saw Antichrist, which made me really angry. And I saw it was by, by Lars von Trier. I was like, I absolutely have no desire to see him brutalize another woman on screen. Um, plus, I, and like, so I didn't know anything about this movie other than she was blind and it's sad. Like, I, and it, Bjork was in it, I had no idea, like, what exactly happened. I, w- I went into this, um, pardon the horrific pun here, blind.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry i tweeted that i was gonna watch it when i first saw it i tweeted that i was gonna i was going in blind to it and someone was like is that is that like a pun and i was like i don't know what you're talking about because i really didn't know what it was about (laughs) (laughs) i was like i'm sorry and then afterwards i was like oh no i made a horrible joke
0: (laughs) but yeah so i didn't know anything about it other than like the very basic plot details and uh wow i was not prepared at all for what happened. I don't really, I don't exactly know what I expected, but it wasn't that. um, Yeah, and I, I thought for some fucking reason you watch this all the time because of how much you love it and because how much you talk about it. I think I just assumed that this was some of th- one of those movies that like you watched a lot and I was worried for you.
1: <laughs> no, um. I just revealed to you right before we started recording that I have only seen this once, and I didn't even get to finish it for this recording, so I really would say I've only seen it once. Wow. It just stuck with so me. So it
0: stuck with you. Okay. I'm cur- so, okay. Then I am curious about what about it stuck with you specifically.
1: Um, man. I, I just... <laughs> I mean, you can't be prepared for it. Like, i i went into it I went into it not knowing at all what it was about. All I knew was Lars von Trier made a movie with Bjork in it. Um, <laughs> Bjork is one of my favorite singers. Fun fact: um, I listen to her all the time. She's someone that I listen to when I'm feeling very distressed. Um, so that will come into play later. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just Actually in my writing class We had to name a movie That changed us As a viewer And I named two The first one I named was When the Levees Broke by Spike Lee The documentary Oh okay Which we will probably do on this podcast Um, The other one was this I've only seen it once and I just, I have not stopped thinking about it. I probably saw it over a year ago for the first time. Um, if not two years ago, I quarantine time is like, I I don't know. I don't know what day it is. Um, it just stuck with me. Like a movie, I mean, some movies have stuck with me in similar ways, but I just felt like when I saw this, I'm... It was so much of it. It's like, I've never seen something like this before. Um, Because when you try to, like, describe it to someone, I I always say it's a disturbing drama, quasi-musical, starring Bjork. So whatever that sounds like to you is probably exactly, like, what you're thinking. (laughs) You know? Yep. I I don't know. It's just every, every, like, part of it just, like... It's almost nightmarish, but it's surprisingly upbeat for most of the movie. Like, the first half, I would say. It's, it's like, melancholic, almost. Like, it's a little sad, but, like, she's so positive, and you just want to, like... I don't know, you, you want to know her? I personally do. She seems like just, like, a joy to be around. Like, just a... Um... Not childish, but you know, like she's a dreamer.
0: Yeah. So that makes me, so that actually brings up something I was thinking about a lot with this movie and like comparing it to Breaking the Waves mm-hmm. um, in terms of the main character, like the main female characters. Yes. Um, because, so as we talked about in Breaking the Waves, um, Emily Watson's character, whose name I have obviously forgotten, um, <laughs> is called yes. like Sim. Bess. She's called Simple, and she's kind of like you know. There is allusions to potentially some kind of developmental disability, but and and in this movie, she doesn't. Ha- it's she's not simple. She but she has like an innocence about her, and it's kind of it's like alluded to because she is an immigrant and she's kind of idealistic about how she sees things and her head's in the clouds about musicals and it's like he's created these women who are very like almost naive and he did, and he does really fucked up things to them which just this does not sit well in my stomach and we can talk about this later but like watching this and breaking the waves and just thinking about how I feel about Varntrier, I kind of feel nauseous about him as a person even more than I used to <laughs> yeah he sucks and what was frustrating what's frustrating here and i think that this could be an interesting conversation is that he makes beautiful movies like this movie is another two and a half hour long movie but the pacing feels fast like breaking the waves i don't it doesn't feel like a two and a half hour long movie like everything feels very purposeful um even down to the musical bits which made me giggle And I think his commitment to like a Dogma 95 type style is really interesting. I think that a lot of the story beats are unexpected and fucked up and upsetting, but the way they are fucked up and upsetting is that he is brutalizing a woman who is already like a disenfranchised woman who is both has a disability and is an immigrant and it's, I don't know. I just have a lot of feelings about how he put, what he puts women through in his movies. And it doesn't sit well with me. Like, I just don't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I still working agree. through it. Cause I fell
1: asleep thinking about this last
0: night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Cause I was so mad.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And actually I pulled a quote from york about it oh this movie um, made
0: her stop acting
1: i know this is her only movie right
0: yeah and but she's back she's coming back in the northman this year which is oh, very right. exciting she's gonna yeah, be but... in the new robert eggers movie which is exciting but i digress apologies but
1: curated just for me I know. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> Yeah, uh, so I have a quote. I have a couple quotes here that I think are really interesting. Um, they're about this movie and about von Trier himself. Um, so we can get into their beef with each other. Uh, I guess now ish. So I, I guess for a little background, it came out after this movie. Um, I I I want to say during the Me Too movement that Bjork was sexually harassed by Lars von Trier on the set of this movie. And von Trier Mm -hmm. kind of, uh, I mean, of course blamed her and said she was like a terror to work with. And um, they, she was like costing production, like a lot of money. And she's like, and I think that he, I want to say he said it, part of it was because she was, like doing method acting so she was in character the whole time and because her character was so like s- sad that she was sad and it was becoming like a problem on set that that's kind of paraphrasing there and I don't mm-hmm. know that I'm 100% accurate on it but um <clears throat> of course Bjork is like that's not fucking true like the reason that you're saying I was a terror on set was because I declined your advances um, and she listed out, like, all the things he did to her. Um, like, for instance, like, whispering, you know, explicit stuff in her ear and and, and stuff like that. And that's not cool, you know? Um, and... Ugh, I just got, like, a nasty feeling to put in the pit of my stomach. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, not okay. And I think that what she, Obviously, I believe her... Um, I, first of all, all you have to do is watch his movies and be like, nope, that's, that checks out. Um, cause he, he doesn't even hide it really. Uh, and I think that Nicole Kidman and Kirsten Dunst both like said that they experienced similar. I don't think that they came out against him, but I think that they were like, it was a very grueling process. Um and i i want to say nicole kimman at some point i don't know if it was in support of york's claims but i think that she said that uh he maybe wanted her to like be shirtless or naked for something and she was like no you're being ridiculous and just like left do you did you ever hear anything about that it sounds familiar
0: i don't exactly know if i've heard that story all i know is that i have heard stories from multiple women who have been in his movies about his behavior
1: yeah he sucks and like i said he doesn't even really try to hide it like in his filmic work um but i have a good quote from bjork about it and
0: you have to say it in her voice <laughs>
1: <Not> <laughs> no i'm just kidding this has is, anyone this is not, seen katya
0: this is not meant to be funny i'm so sorry that was terrible but
1: (laughs) no no it's okay um and trust me if i could do that i fucking would because what a delightful sound my name is bjork maybe you should fucking read it that sounded like
0: (laughs) my name is bjork and this is my name this is my song about the sky
1: (laughs) oh my god (laughs) i did not know that You, that was Was you.
0: Was that good? Did you like that? Was that a good one?
1: (laughs) I loved it. Thank Thank you. you. (laughs) 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 Wow. (laughs) Uh, Speechless, really. So she, (laughs) she said, and I think you'll find this to be a good quote if you don't already know it and we can kind of talk about it. She said, um he needs a female to provide his work soul and he envies them and hates them for it. He has so he has to destroy them during the filming and hide the evidence.
0: Oh, I've that. never heard that, but that's a fu- I mean fucking incredible way to put it, but also disgusting and sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like okay, so that okay. So let me tell you the thing I thought about before I fell asleep last night because mm-hmm. it is actually related to her comment and I also want to bring this. I want to bring. I'm going to briefly mention the house that Jack built. I know we're talking about that movie, but I kind of like want to bring that up really quick because it has to do with this dumb thesis I have. No, it's not dumb. It's just a little bit wild of a thesis I have, and it might not make total sense, but I'm going to say it anyway because it 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 feels right. Mm-hmm. Lars von Trier. subconsciously or consciously almost sees himself as a serial killer and i see this and i know this is weird but i see that i i think about this with the house that jack built because i feel like a lot of what jack's character is is von trier with like ocd and stuff and he Mm -hmm. in the movie is killing a bunch of what killing women and in all of like an almost all of Von Trier's previous stuff he's killing and torturing women so it's almost like that movie is a culmination of how he's treated women through all of his films and it's like he almost perceives himself as a serial killer not that he and again I'm not saying that he actually kills women this is more like a metaphorical cinematic serial killer and it I just that kind of popped into my head last night it's not fully baked but here I am
1: I could I could get behind that. Like, I do think that he knows that he's a predator. Yeah. And I think that he thinks that by saying it about himself first, that he can get ahead of like any criticism. And he's like, yeah, but I know I'm doing it. Therefore it's like, uh, I'm different. You know, I, I don't think he, I think his relationship with women like capital W women, like overall (laughs) the Um, concept
0: of women in general.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think it's, I think that he doesn't know where he lands. I think he's trying to figure it out in his films. Mm -hmm. And I do think that he knows he's a predator. I think that's why, um, especially in this trilogy, uh, the golden hearts trilogy with Bess and um, Selma, You know they they're very similar in ways and very different in other ways um i think that they represent his like view of women and i think that in some fucking weird way by making them both very virtuous women he this is speculation but i think that he thinks he's being progressive and maybe a feminist but I, at the same time, think that he knows that he isn't one. I think he doesn't know how he feels about women. And I think, you know, big picture, this probably has a lot to do with his feelings towards his mother.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, because you brought that up last time, and that, mm-hmm. that adds a lot of important context
1: yeah, it's it's not, like, something that he passively, like, learned about his life and was like, well, that sucked, you know. <laughs> if you read what he says about her, like, he calls her, like, a slut. And I don't know if he's kidding or not, because, you know, he has, like, a twisted sense of humor that like sometimes you can't figure out like
0: <laughs> ever like what? i'm a nazi and like what honey you can't say that <laughs> out loud ever
1: <laughs> yeah he's like just a walking contradiction and i think he like revels in that i think that's his whole thing is he's a contrarian and you know whatever what no matter what you say he is going to say the opposite even if he doesn't fully agree with that he just seems like that kind of person to me. So I could get behind what you said because I think that he knows he's a predator. I think that's why his characters, at least in these two films, um, are the way they are. Like, they are naive. And there is at least the... um, the possibility of this predatory usually guy coming along and taking advantage of them in some way. You know, uh, I, I think that,
0: yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Sorry. My, the wheels in my brain are turning about all of this in a good way.
1: Yeah. I mean, we don't, it's, n- it's not really clear in breaking the waves. If she was being taken advantage of by her husband, like, like, it, we kind of tried to suss it out a little bit in the last episode. I don't know if you really can, because you could see both no. ways. And both things could be true. Maybe he was taking advantage of her, and he loves her, you know? Yeah, um,
0: it could be, yeah.
1: In this one, it's very clear that this predatory guy in a position of power, he's a cop, uh, takes advantage ACAP. of Selma. fuck cops. <laughs> I know, I was like, of course he's a cop. Um, yeah, he, he very clearly takes advantage of Selma and then Von Trier writes her to be virtuous and keep his secret to her own detriment. I I mean, she fucking dies because she won't say what really happened. She never says to Lynn in a, in a, in real life or in a regular ass movie, probably she would have shouted, he's lying, he's, this is my money that I saved for my child, and he broke in and took it. Like, when Linda, Linda's accusing her of trying to steal the money, also, she's like, oh, did you want him for his money? It's like, no, look at him, he's like a sad sack, no one wants him, you know? Um, I would have thrown
0: that motherfucker under the bus immediately
1: exactly that's what i'm saying but but Selma never wavers she never even hints that it's his fault
0: which is wild to me and it's like i feel like von trier makes these like incredibly virtuous women and i i think it's also him trying to parse out because well one in his later movies that we're going to talk about um in the depression trilogy are He still treats these women terribly, but they're not virtuous women. They are not getting taken advantage of. It's more the opposite, where these women are portrayed as taking advantage of men and being more evil. And Mm. I will have a lot more to say about that when we get to Antichrist, because that movie gets me going. (laughs) Um, And I might, again, might change my opinion because I haven't watched it in years, but... It's interesting to see that progression. I know I'm jumping ahead to these later movies, but I think just watching these earlier ones are really helpful in contextualizing this weird, like, career of Von Trier as of, like, trying to understand women and, like, what they are. Because he, he's like an alien. He's like an alien person. <laughs> or an incel. I'm not quite sure which. Probably both. Um, But, like, the other thing that I was thinking about, too, is when she didn't tell anybody it's like would they believe her
1: right probably not
0: yeah because like that was my initial thought because at first i was like oh they just don't believe her because i just had figured i just assumed that she had told i'd be like he's fucking dead who cares um obviously i am not selma (laughs) but like they just automatically paint her. He like, said, like, a uh, communist sympathizer. She's faking being blind because she went to the eye doctor and, like, she f- lied about her eyesight so she could keep working because she can't not work. And it's just, like, this horrendous web of her getting trapped in being a disabled immigrant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And it's just...
1: I don't know it's hard. It's like, and I, I think it's good to, you know, kind of zoom in on his view of women in general throughout all of the movies, right? Like it's, it's, I don't care if we talk about the later movies while talking about these, I mean, you know, I think it's all relevant. I think that Mm -hmm. he doesn't know how he feels about women. And it's like, I, I don't know why. I guess my question to him would be: Do you think women have to be black and white like this? Do you think it has to be either the naive virtue, virtual, uh, virtual, the uh, virtual Bjork?
0: I am virtual Bjork in the digital space. I am in the cloud.
1: Jesus Christ! I was gonna cut that, but now I'm keeping that part in so they can hear that. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> I, I, I was just saying I, my question to him, I guess would be, um, why do women have to be either naive and virtuous or, or, um, <laughs> I guess v- monstrous.
0: Yeah. Like scheming monstrous. Yeah figures who are trying to take advantage of men because that comes up in his later movies of women like taking advantage of men Mm
1: -hmm. I just I don't get I think for any filmmaker or any person I don't get why they would have that expectation Um, for any one of any gender like everyone it's all a gray area and I mean you know zoom out of this movie that's why I like these kinds of movies is because I think everyone is, like, living in a gray area, and I like movies that live in that gray area, too, because it gives you something to think about. I I like characters where they're good and bad. I like movies where Mm -hmm. all of it leads to nothing. Nothing mattered at all, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah, and again, like... I think this is a beautiful movie. I think it is really well done. I think it is fucking heartbreaking. I, I really, I am I, glad I saw it. And I can confidently say that Von Trier is a really good filmmaker. And I still don't like it.
1: <laughs> That's fair.
0: Like, I can appreciate his art. It's, like, the whole, like, what, like, separate art from artist or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I'm learning more how to do that with him because, like, when I was... I Like, until recently, I was just, like, fuck all of his movies. He's a terrible person. And... I still think he's a terrible person, but I do think his movies are very interesting and in constru- like I think it's important to look at his filmography. I think it says a lot about like his this weird like male subconscious grappling with what it means like what he thinks womanhood is or what women are. And it's a fascinating way to be like, look, this is <laughs> this is a man trying to figure out what a woman is and just really struggling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like really just having a hard time
1: yeah truly and i think his work is important to look at because i think it's important to film like it is
0: it is incredibly important to film because again like he he has created some incredibly beautiful movies like technically and the the stories are unique in the way he tells them and the way he creates his characters while often, you know, leading into the more problematic sides, are still fascinating. Like, he creates very unique characters and situations that feel very, like, slice of life at first. And and then, so I guess I kind of wanted to pivot a little bit and say, like, this is, I really loved that this was a musical. Mm-hmm. Because it is, like, the anti-musical, is how I was seeing it, because he is, you know, musical movies are, like, these giant, huge sets and everything's sparkly and crazy. And, like, Selma says, like, nothing dreadful ever happens in a musical, which is so fucking heartbreaking as the movie progresses. But there are these musical numbers, but they're so, like, pared down. And there are still people dancing, but there's, it's, like, with the handheld camera and this lack of, like, total show like it's not flashy it's just really cool to see like this is what a musical looks like stripped down and like not the weird theatrical stuff we're so used to and it makes the musical feel oh how do I want to put this genuine because musicals are so, like, they're so ridiculous, like, not not genuine pieces of art. And I don't mean that, like, it, like in the emotions. Like, they're all very exaggerated. They're all very intense. They're all very, it's all, like, very showy, which is great. Like, that's fine. But this one just feels way more genuine to have this experience because it's much more pared down. It's much, like, it still kind of feels silly, but you know that this is her escaping her horrific reality. And it, I don't know, it just has a much different impact than the typical, like, musical
1: numbers. Yeah, I fully agree. I think it's, I, uh, the word I would have used is tangible. Ooh, tangible. That's a good, that's a good word. Uh, because it's like, yes, it's a musical, but no, it's not like what you think of, like, uh...
0: It's where, like rent,
1: <laughs> yeah. Like where everybody is singing and and dancing and sounds great, and um, they're like having fun. You know, it's like,
0: but also like in the world of an actual musical, it's 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 happening. It's not her fantasy because right. in this, like, these are very obviously her daydreams and her escaping reality like on purpose and like dissociating from a scenario that she doesn't want to be a part of but in musicals it's all in world like it all is just like they all sing here and you're like okay cool and you buy into that because it's a musical but here it's like it's it's like she's taking the idea of the musical and yeah i don't know what i'm trying to say but yes
1: (laughs) yeah and i think it's interesting well before i even continue my thought shouts out to bjork Cause she created the music for this mm. movie. And I believe, I yes, seen <laughs> I've seen it all was nominated for an Academy award for a best original song.
0: <gasps> really? Oh, that was my yeah. favorite one because Peter Somare sang with her.
1: Yes. And he sounds bad. And I he love sounds, that.
0: I love it. I love it. And like, okay, I hate that. I hate David Morris who plays the cop in this movie. Cause, but I love him as an actor, but I hate him in this movie, but they all, they're not good at singing and I love it.
1: Yeah. I think it's uh, like, I mean, it could just be, they were right for the part and they just happen to be bad at singing. But I think that it is a point of choice to use them as the actual singers, knowing that they're bad singers because it just adds to the point that I would have overall of this movie is like, these are her daydreams. They could yep. go however she wants. They could be the best singers in the world. They could be the best dancers in the world. Everything could be big and beautiful and like bright, but they're so grounded. Like they sound, I mean, she sounds amazing of course, cause it's fucking Bjork, but like <laughs> the other people in the song mostly sound bad. Um, The dancing is good, but it's not, like, over the top. Nothing is big and bright. It takes place, like, in her real world. And I think that that's an interesting choice because I I think it reflects how her dreams are so... They are tangible, right? Like, in most musicals, they have these big fucking dreams where they want to, like... I mean, heart. right. Like she wants to be this big fucking star. And in this movie, she just wants to get surgery for her son. And she just has to save like two grand to do it. I mean, two grand back then is like 11 grand now, but, um, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, that's all she wants. She just wants a simple life. Even her dreams are simple. And that is what will make her happy. I I find that really interesting. And I find it interesting that the musical that she's in is the sound of music specifically mm-hmm. because the sound of music is like the exact opposite of this movie like when you think about it the sound of music one of my favorite musicals by the way it's um, so good i own two versions of it on vinyl <laughs> oh my god i live, wow I, I love it i watch it when i'm sad um because actually when i'm feeling sad <laughs> i simply remember my favorite
0: things and then i don't feel so i'm so sorry we gotta I'm record
1: so- in the morning more often this bitch is a singer i didn't even fucking know <laughs> what's going on she's a singer she does impressions
0: <laughs> you got me when i'm fresh it's like
1: i don't even know who you are <laughs>
0: Hello, Dex. I am Bjork. I'm here to tell you about my dreams and my songs.
1: And my songs. And my songs. (laughs) But, uh... (laughs) The Sound of Music is the exact opposite of this movie. Because the Sound of Music, for those who live under a rock, maybe... And don't know what it's about. It's about this um this wannabe nun. Like, right? What are they called <laughs> when they're a wannabe mm-hmm. nun?
0: Novices?
1: Sure. <laughs> I ain't fucking Catholic. Why would I know that? All I know about Catholicism <laughs> is from the sound of music.
0: Just the phrase not I don't expect just the phrase wannabe nun is my favorite because my grandmother was once a wannabe nun.
1: I love that for her, (laughs) right? I mean, that's what they are. (laughs) No,
0: it's exact. No, that's exactly. Just I just love that it's. I don't know why. Perhaps a would-be nun would. would, Yeah, would-be, but wanna-be nun is incredible. Also, my grandmother was gonna be a nun because she was like twenty-five and not married yet. So they were like, "Get thee to a nunnery." Oh, my. Hag. And like, <laughs> like an old maid. Jesus Christ, old bitch. And my grandfather was going to be a priest for the same reason. And then they met each other. Anyway, that's a dumb wow. sign. But I, it always makes me laugh. Like, that's their origin story.
1: That's very fascinating to me. They were they
0: were still in their 20s. But it was the 50s. So. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 60s? Whatever. Anywho, back to Sound of Music and The Wannabe nun.
1: Yeah, and no, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I no, just I... didn't know the word. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's about Maria. She is a would-be nun, and she's very unorthodox. She likes to sing. She's, like, clumsy. She is late to everything, which is really fascinating because, I mean, Catholicism is, like, so ritualistic and, like, mm-hmm. do things this way. Right. And she can't um, because that's not who she is as a person. So she is gently cast out, I guess, um, (laughs) because she's very lovable. Everyone loves her. And she is sent to, I guess, nanny, like these, this, these children for this big ass family.
0: Von Trapp family.
1: Yes. Oh, and it's based on a true story. (laughs) Um, oh that's
0: right i forgot that it's based on a true story
1: yeah so she goes and um of course falls in love with the very strict and serious like ex-military dad who becomes a soft involved trap yeah uh and she teaches them how to sing he has like a hundred thousand kids um they're (laughs) they're strangely good at singing and also there's nazis right um, yes,
0: there are in fact, there are in fact Nazis. They have to <laughs> escape the there. Nazis
1: because they're in Austria, right? Um, but so this is a, a musical, The Sound of Music, where even the Nazis are pretty, they're pretty gentle, I would say. Like, um, the most aggressive one is, what's his name? I don't know, Kirk is coming to mind, but that seems not Right. <laughs> uh you know the the one the little one that the older i just said i watch this all the time but i i'm not here i haven't had caffeine the older um daughter the oldest daughter she's like in love with the um one nazi
0: yes 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 that like i am 16 going on 17 that one
1: Fellas will fall in line. <laughs>
0: that was this is a musi- This is a musical podcast now. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. He's like the most aggressive one. And he's not even that aggressive. So. Um,
0: yeah, it's got Nazis in it, but it's like Nazis li- Nazi light, which sounds like a weird thing to say, but it doesn't like totally lean into that as. It's still musical. Sorry. Oh, that's right. Well, I just like, it remembered. doesn't lean into it as much because it's like, it's still fun. It's like, oh, I guess.
1: <laughs> right. And that's why it's the exact opposite of Dancer in the Dark, because it's like everything is big and grand. And she has these big dreams and the kids have big dreams and they escape Nazis by fucking singing. And um, yeah. also the Nazis aren't that aggressive. <laughs> like, you know, it's a very, I would say, low stakes <clears throat> movie. In some weird fucking way, you know. Um, And Selma, like, you know, like, this movie is the opposite of that. It's very bleak. Um, Even when she's dreaming, it's very grounded. Everyone sounds bad. (laughs) They can't dance. But they do it anyway. The stakes are incredibly high very high stakes and it's not like an outrageous like dream to have and it's much higher stakes and you would think that the the movie where they have to escape nazis would be higher stakes but it doesn't feel like it when you're watching it you know i mean in, because, in because, theory because like, bjork it is. Said,
0: like what bjork says nothing dreadful happens in musicals
1: Exactly, so I find it very fascinating that that is the musical that she's supposed to star in, and ultimately, what happens? She takes herself out of it, because the, the reason that she removes herself from the role of Maria is because she can't see well enough to do the dances that she needs to do. Or even just getting onto the stage and hitting the marks she needs to hit. She can't do that on her own. She sends her friend um what is her name? Kathy. Yeah. Um sh- she sends her friend in and um she like counts out how many steps she needs to take to hit her mark. And it becomes too much. And, she, oh, by the way, the director wants her to not use her glasses, She, he, which is like, that's psychotic to me, where you're it like, oh, you're wearing glasses? Sim- you could just simply not, right?
0: If someone took my glasses away from me and I wasn't wearing my contacts, I would be fucked. I am like, yeah, I have I, horrific I, eyesight. I'd be like, all right, cool. Well, the end is nigh. Like... <laughs>
1: Yeah, and at first she tries to hold on because she wants to play Maria so badly. She fucking loves musicals. I mean, she brings her script to work. She works on machinery, but she still brings her script to work, and um, that that's like part of why the machine breaks because she's thinking about musicals and thinking about her role and stuff.
0: Well, I do want to point out really quick about Kathy that she's played by um, Catherine Deneuve. Who is like mm-hmm. an incredibly famous French actress who is in um, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, Repulsion, and she also was the uh, Miriam Baylock in The Hunger.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Blaylock, pardon me, Miriam Blaylock in The Hunger. So like, this cast is stacked. Like, uh, there were some people Truly. in this movie that I was surprised. Like, this is a a pretty, pretty interesting cast. Like for a movie that's like kind of understated i guess is maybe the word i'd want to use in terms of like the production value and stuff there's some really incredible people in it so i just thought that was that she was in this and some other people that are in it are just uh, it's fascinating
1: yeah it really is um a pretty stacked cast and i find it interesting that she is so fucking famous and she's like uh, the friend character
0: <laughs> I love it I know I was just yeah. like Lars von Trier got that pull man <laughs> like, like hey Catherine Deneuve can you just be like the side character <laughs> yeah makes cool
1: you makes I know you
0: <laughs> hello Catherine will you <laughs> be my friend will you <laughs> be my friend Catherine in the, in the factory <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that's what I was saying actually thank you <laughs> Bjork um, you're welcome I was saying I find it interesting that she removes herself from that role because she can't see. But, like, if you were to really think about it, I think it's interesting that she um, is like, no, I can't dream, actually. Like, you know what I mean? it's so
0: fucking sad. Like, that part fucked me up when she was like, yes, Mm -hmm. I pretended about liking musicals. And I was like,
1: yeah, and you can see that it breaks our heart to even say that. But she is trying to save herself um, the emotional turmoil and just be like, well, I I didn't even, I guess, like musicals anyway. It's okay. You know, it's... It's it's so sad because,
0: like, she becomes so painfully Mm self-aware. And that... in a way that she's like, all right, well, I'm going to have to give up some of these things that make me happy. And that just is so heart-shattering. Because, like, At the beginning, like, she's in this musical, and, you know, she has, like, a pretty small, simple life, but she's happy. Like, she has her son, she has a house, she pays her rent on time, she's in a musical, she has friends. Like, it's a, it's, like, a relatively quiet existence, but it's good. Um, And then a man has to ruin it. So, uh, great.
1: Exactly. (laughs) And... Yeah, you know, to that point, like to your point, um, Bjork, Bjork is like the perfect person to cast in this role, I think. Not just because she's like so fucking talented and like could probably just like burp on a track and it would be an amazing musical.
0: Oh, <laughs> this is what it sounds like when they burp.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, oh, 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 musical burps. <laughs> I think that. I mean, one, I think when I'm watching, when I was watching this, I was like, this seems like this is actually how Bjork's brain probably works.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
1: could see her just imagining, like, everything is one big musical. Everything, every sound is music. Like, um, I, I mean, in this, in this movie, you know, the machinery clanking and everything she writes she Selma sings a song about it um, and to us it's like that sounds like machinery but she makes it sound like like beautiful music and to me that seems like Bjork would probably think that way I mean how else could she yeah. write what she writes Well,
0: Yeah, and I I feel like it does like kind of speak to the artistic process, though, like you hear one thing and you're inspired and it's like you it's almost like you're seeing the inner workings of an artist's brain like coming to life when they hear these inspirational sounds or like, oh, cool, this this is one beat, and all of a sudden it's it's spurred this beautiful thing in my mind. And this is that is what is some of the most heartbreaking parts at the end of the movie when Mm. there's no sound and she's in prison and she gets so quiet and she can't find music and like find an escape for herself because there's no other sounds for her to kind of use and work with to create an escape and she's just stuck in her own head and that's fucking difficult to watch
1: it's so hard it's It's so so hard to watch hard because she's like listening
0: to the vent and trying to hear some kind of sound. And she's trying to sing um, like the uh, Favorite Things song from The Sound of Music. And it's just like she's crying and trying to find the music in her. And she gets there for a second, which is great. And then it gets bad again.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is interesting when you think about you know, the movie we talked about last week, Breaking the Waves. Bess couldn't hear God. Even though she is, her own voice coming out of her is yeah. who she's talking to. She couldn't find, you know, that voice um, when she was in deep despair. And, I mean, we see that again here with Selma. She She can't hear the music when she is that genuinely down. It's really sad because I mean, not to get too existential, I guess, but like that is her God, like that her her ability to hear that music, you know, despite, you know, what wherever she is, whatever she's doing, whether she wants to be there or not, whether it's something fun or not, she can hear that music. And that is like what saves her. So it's really hard to see it when she can't conjure up that sound anymore because it's like damn y'all fucking broke selma like unbreakable selma you know yeah and and like i was saying before that that's part of why bjork is the perfect person to cast because bjork again for anyone who may not be familiar with bjork i don't know how but it's possible <laughs> i guess um She's, like, this very tiny Icelandic singer. Um, she's... Uh, she looks she, so innocent and adorable.
0: She looks like a fairy. She gives, like She, she does. is, like, the human equivalent of what I think a fairy would look like. She's got, like, these high cheekbones. She has an ethereal, just, like, vibe around her. Like, the way she speaks and the way she... Her incredible voice that's so unique. Like... She just is, like, a fairy person.
1: Yeah, she's got, like, this, like, round little face. And she just... Her smile is so, Oh, like, her
0: smile is so genuine and bright. It's just so good.
1: Yeah. She, like, warms your heart just to look mm-hmm. at. Like, she just... You can just tell that she's, like, a genuine, like, kind person. And you want to fucking protect her. And mm-hmm. I think that is... um that is why I think she's like the best person possible to play Selma. Cause you do just want to protect her, especially because throughout the movie, um, she's not protecting herself. She won't stand up for herself. And it's not that she's not capable of it. You know, she, you see her very, several times in the movie, like set a boundary for herself and just be like, no, Jeff, not today because Jeff shows up to her job every single day asking her if she wants a ride. And she's very firm, but kind, and is like, no, not today. Or, or Well, and she's like, I
0: don't want a boyfriend, Jeff. You would totally be the guy if I wanted a boyfriend, but I just, I don't have time for a boyfriend. Like, it's very honest, but very kind.
1: Exactly. Like, still able to set that boundary. It's not like she's a pushover. No. Um, But she won't stand up for herself in the sense that she will not she will not talk badly about someone even if it's true and even if it will help her right like that's what happens bill steals that fucking money from her and because he said that um it was his secret that he had no money she won't reveal that to his wife and that is that is what leads her down that path to the death penalty.
0: I just, the scene, I'm just getting mad again because there's a scene where he pretends to leave her trailer and then stays and sees where she keeps her money. And it's just like the most textbook example of some a man in power taking advantage of a disabled person for their own personal gain because they have to pick on someone That they perceive as smaller than them and take advantage of them in the most horrendous way humanly possible. Like, this money is for her son's eyes so he can not have a degenerative eye disease. And he's just like, nah, I need it more than she does. Like...
1: For couches. For couches, he says his wife wants new couches, right?
0: Fuck your couches.
1: (laughs) It's like, that's what you think is more important? I mean hello like <laughs> uh if that's not a man manning <laughs> you know like yeah. what is like you yes. think because you don't make enough money and you're too much of a coward to be honest with your fucking wife that that is somehow anyone else's goddamn problem and that that problem which is non-existent in my opinion uh, is more important than <laughs> her her son going blind
0: and she uh, always pays rent on time and is a very kind person like it's not yeah like, like she already gives you money
1: <laughs> yeah Everybody. she works really hard she works
0: so hard so and she also okay so this is a question this is kind of a question because she also does this thing where she puts bobby pins on cards and gets paid to like Put the bobby pins on these cards for people. It's like a weird side gig, but she needs money. So she's doing, like, different kinds of labor that, you know, people, you know, of privilege will never do because they're privileged. And she's doing that to get the money to, like, save her son. And... So I get that. But then there's the part in the court case where they say, this isn't your dad. I was very confused about that because she says she's sending some of her money to her dad, like extra money to her dad in Czechoslovakia. But then the guy who comes in says he's not her dad, right? Did I did I perceive that correctly?
1: Um, That was the part I didn't get to with this rewatch. Oh,
0: okay, okay. I wasn't sure if you remembered from the previous one.
1: I do slightly remember, and I think that that... Like, you're asking, is that her dad or not?
0: Yeah, because they say it's not her dad. Like, he has no idea who she is.
1: Well, I think that from from what I remember, right, um, I think that she is not being honest about why she was saving the money because she doesn't want them to take it and then Um, her son can't get the surgery so I think that if I remember correctly she's like oh this is my dad and the guy's like no I'm fucking not and that they're trying to poke holes in her story about where her money is going
0: okay that makes sense sorry that part I was just like wait a second what did I miss? what the fuck? I was like, did she lie? And then I, I was like, oh, my God, did she lie? Is that kid not her son? And I was like, this is not that kind of movie. <laughs> but I, my mind started spiraling that, like, she was some, like, weird criminal. I'm like, no, that's that would not make any sense in this movie that all of a sudden she was, like, a weird criminal who stole a
1: child. Yeah. Well, actually, um, let's go with that for a second, because um, la- last episode we talked about how Von Trier makes unexpected movies like yes. he includes unexpected things in them and i think that is one of them <laughs> like in a in a I, I don't know normal for lack of a better term a normal movie uh that probably would have been the case right like oh this wasn't her son all along and she's a liar after all or something like that and i think going back to the scene where bill pretends to leave and stays. Um, When I first saw this movie, I thought he was going to sexually assault her.
0: Oh yeah, me too.
1: And I think in, if anyone else had written and directed this movie, that probably is what would have happened. Cause it would have been a more, a more overt example of dominance. I don't like that term and I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think that in the eyes of like somebody writing this film, that's what they would have been trying to say if that happened in the movie. And this example is so much, um, it's, it seems almost more insidious because he's so calculated Not that that wouldn't be insidious, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, as a viewer, when you're interpreting it, you're like, that's somehow... Like, the less overt example is just as cruel, if not more cruel, because she is blind, and you're taking advantage of that in an unexpected way, where you're just trying to figure out where she keeps her money. Yep. Yep. I don't know if I explained that well, but.
0: No, I, no, I definitely understand that. Cause I was also like, "Uh Oh, he's going to do something terrible. And he does do something terrible, but I thought it was going to be involved sexual assault and I'm glad it didn't, but at the Me same too. time, Holy shit. And it's again, it's, it's, it's insidious in such a different way right? because it is like more calculated and cruel like no 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 it's not more calculated and more cruel but it's like a different kind of cruelty
1: yeah that's more what i was trying to get at yeah i think i misspoke there
0: yeah because it's like it it's like he doesn't how am I trying to put this? He, he violates her in a different way. Yes, he violates her in a very different way, in a way where it's like, yeah, he violates her in a different way. That's the perfect way to put it.
1: Yeah, sorry to go there, but I I figured that um, since no. we share a brain, yeah. you probably also thought that when you were oh, watching it.
0: When I was like, oh, great. We're going to get... I, I just... I kind of... Okay, so again, like I said, I don't know anything about this movie, but I assumed that there was going to be sexual assault in it because she was a disabled woman who was an immigrant. And, like, unfortunately, a lot of movies about that uh, incorporate sexual assault into their films. (laughs) And so I was like, I have zero hopes. And, like, yeah, wow, he subverted those expectations and made something just as heartbreaking in a very different way. Yeah. But, like, thankfully... I guess thankfully, Varn Trier isn't using that, like you said. Like he is, he is an ex. a thing that you would expect. He at least subverts that and creates violation in a different way, which is ex- which is important because I feel like a lot of filmmakers, like the only way a woman can be truly violated is through sexual assault, and it's like, well, no, that's not true. But I right. guess whatever you think women are. So anyway. <sighs> Got that going for you, Von Trier. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's more what I was trying to say, but I said it very clumsily and I hope no. that it wasn't like um Like offensive. Like mm-hmm. mm. you know. Um so I apologize if it was I didn't mean it that way, but um Yeah, so do you wanna start getting to the ending? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I say yeah like that because it's, it sucked the air out of my lungs.
1: Yeah. So, talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) What happened? What were you feeling? How did you feel leading up to it? uh,
0: So, okay, so there's, like, this marked tonal shift. It, like once once she, like, murders the guy and beats him to death with the box of her money, there's, like, a big tonal shift, but especially, like, once the crime stuff happens with, like, the the courtroom and her being in, in prison. And I just had a bad feeling in my stomach the whole time. I was like, this isn't going to end well at all for her. Like, it's just going to be a nightmare. And so, you know, there's the scene where she's trying to find music and she's telling the guard, like, It's so quiet here. I don't like how quiet it is. And then there's the harrowing scene where they come to get her on the day of her execution where she is um, to be hanged by the neck. uh, Jesus Christ. um, And she can't walk. She's terrified. She's like, I can't even take one step. And she's sobbing and she's scared. And they walk her. They count 107 steps because someone told her it's 107 steps, um, which is horrifying. So she counts the steps and gets there. And then she just has a full-on mental breakdown. Like, she collapses on the ground. She's sobbing. She's even saying, I'm scared, which, like, that, that got to me. Like, in so many movies, these kinds of scenes, like, the person is very stoic and is like, I face my death. But she was like, no way. Like, this is the – like, she is having – a fucking meltdown about it, which is valid because it's, a t- it's fucking scary. And she's saying things like, I'm scared, and she's crying, and one of the guards is trying to comfort her. And they fucking tie her to a board. Which I was just like, oh no, this is really happening. They tie her to a fucking board, and then they put a hood on her, and then she really starts freaking out because she can't breathe. And I was just like, I, I, right now I'm like feeling like like, tightness in my chest because it's just like so much like <laughs> it's just like an unflinching view of what is happening and what this execution looks like and the guard this really kind female guard like takes off the hood and it's like she can't see she's blind and i'm just like oh this is fuck- i can't do this and they're just like call somebody and it's like this chaos it's like horrendous chaos and there's people watching and it's just an absolute like just like, the, if I was there, which I never, I, I don't, I could never do that. I would just been like, I, I am out. I can't do this, like, emotionally. Like, this is too much. Her friend comes and hugs her, and then she starts singing. And from what I took, everyone can hear her singing. Like, this is the first time that everyone can kind of hear her singing, and she's making music.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then... <sighs> this is the second-to-last song. It's not over. And then she drops. And it is the last song, but she refuses to call it the last song because she she would always leave musicals before they were over because they would never end for her. And she would always have that in her head, like, oh, it's not, it, the musical is never ending. So she says, this is not the end. This is the second-to-last song, like, as this weird, like, last kind of glimmer of hope for herself. And then they... Um, they hang her. Oh my I'm, god, I can't even, like, I'm, like, getting emotional just talking
1: about it. Me too. I have, like, tears Ugh, in my eyes. I know. Ugh. Um, because <clears throat> it's so unfair. And It's so unfair. That's the thing about this movie. This is why it's the anti-musical, right? Because, um, I think if someone else had written and directed it, she would have been saved right at the end. But instead it's like um no like there's no help for her this is exactly what would happen in real life she's a poor immigrant um a woman and she would be fucking railroaded and she would be killed for it and that's exactly what happened it's true to life and it's not fair um the only like little glimmer of hope and like i said in the last episode to reference it once again. Um, I think that Von Trier does infuse like a little bit of hope. Actually, I think that's the part that got cut off, um, in the last 10 minutes. I, uh, cause we had the technical issues, but I, I had said that I find his films fascinating because no matter how bleak they are, there's often like a little tiny glimmer of hope in there. Um, in it in some twisted way like in breaking the waves i think the bells were the little glimmer of hope like bess is okay and it was all worth it you know and she she's happy where she is i guess we're supposed to infer it's heaven in this movie um kathy runs in and is like you know your son's um your son's surgery was successful. So it's like, yes, she went through all of this, but it's not like it was for no reason. Like her son, Jean is not going to have this condition that she has. He's not going to go blind. And it's a result of her sacrifice, which we could talk about. um, And her hard work. And, It's not fair to her, but at least there's that.
0: Yes, I agree. And then I get but then I I, then, you know, there's a flip side in my head to this. And then I thought about this with breaking the waves. And I'm thinking about this now is that, like, these women become martyrs. But like, exactly. In a way that is frustrating to me that it's like. These women have to sacrifice themselves to have anything like to make things happen or like they they are martyred which is both great and very fucking tragic and like the only way these women can achieve what they were trying to get is to sacrifice themselves and it's always and this is like just feels like a a theme in literature and in a film about like the female sacrificing themselves for the greater good etc and that's like a frustrating I think that's just like a frustrating trope for me of being like oh cool okay so we're gonna martyr these women and like Things are going to go great, but they have to suffer. And, I, and this goes back again to, like, Von Trier putting his female characters through, like, immense amounts of suffering to, like, get to the end of the film. And I'm not against, you know, I think that you can make, obviously, like, women can suffer in movies. I just, it's an interesting trend in his films about martyrdom and women and, like, what that means.
1: Yeah, and the specific ways that they suffer, too, I think.
0: Yes. It's, like, not, like, oh, they're going through horrific body horror and being tortured. It's, like, no, there's, like, v- these are, like, very specific visions of hell that, like, are even more terrifying than bodily. Like, like torture and stuff. Like, the movie Martyrs, it ain't like that. This is, like, personal hell. Like, realistic personal fucking hell that people it's like people experience it like it's a hell that people have experienced at least in break it's probably something more similar in dancer in the dark than breaking the waves because I, the magical realism gets all weird but you know what i mean
1: mm-hmm. and it's also like um the way in which they suffer is also like i would say systemic and systematic like mm-hmm Mm -hmm. it's so um (laughs) like wholly cruel like you know yes it's every type yeah it's like every type of way you can break someone down almost and we have to watch it all (laughs) the triumph of the human
0: spirit nope the absolute breakdown of the human spirit
1: which in some way i like I, I mean not in some way i get that because i think that's more true to life oh you
0: 100% know? it just i still hate it I it's really hard to it. watch i don't want to look at it <laughs> don't make me confront reality fuck you
1: <laughs> yeah i don't
0: i don't want to talk about that shit and
1: Absolutely. i think this movie is the, the magical realism in this is, I guess, her, it, but it's not realism, I guess, her, her fantasies about, you know, musicals. Um, and in the end, maybe you can make an argument that the musical comes to life and that's what she's singing in the end. Um, I don't know. That's not like I fully.
0: Yeah, I didn't feel any magical realism in this one. I I didn't get that vibe like with the and like I didn't get that from breaking the waves until the very end where there's bells in the sky and I was like wait what the fuck is this movie like what is happening um but here I think it's just like straight up sad yeah but at least there's I mean like you said silver lining her son got the operation
1: yeah I'm just more so saying that it's possible you could read it that way
0: yeah oh for sure
1: i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut off your thoughts,
0: oh no right? i was just saying like sh- i like the martyrdom thing comes into play especially when they're like okay it costs this this is how much money like her friend Kathy's like this is how much money we have to the lawyer to like help her get her um her sentence cleared like hey we're gonna take these truths, like what actually happened and then she's like no that fuck that money i don't i'm not worth the money my son is and i was like oh god damn it <laughs> always with the mother sacrificing themselves for the child
1: yeah because it's like okay let's let's like um you know kind of live out that thought right like say that she used the money for a lawyer and she did get free she could just save up money again it would take a long ass time but she could do it and he would have his mom
0: she, and, but, like, there was something she said about, like, if you wait another month, he's not going to be able to reverse it.
1: Okay. I, I um,
0: forgot about that. I th- I'm i pretty sure, like, that it was, like, a time constraint. But I don't, yeah. I think. But still, but it's still. I guess she's like, I'd rather be dead than have us both be blind. And I'm like, oof, Jesus. Good Lord. Which, hmm that's ableist that's, a, that's yeah i was gonna say like hmm, that's <laughs> shitty but i guess yeah. in 1964 when you're like no one cares about disabled people it's like i guess i kind of unfortunately can see where you're coming from because no one cares about disability in the 60s but what? Yeah. well no yeah. you know what i
1: mean and i'm not i'm not trying to make a judgment about her choice like i don't oh, know if she made a yeah. right choice or not and i don't think that i don't think she i don't know.
0: think she knows if she made the right well, she thinks she knows but i again there i don't think like you said i don't think we're supposed to know if there is a right and wrong choice i think there there was just two choices for her to make and they yeah but just she god that poor, like... Duh, that poor kid
1: that poor kid and i really do imagine. think it's i do think it's interesting when when you're watching that scene she sticks to her choice, right? Like she, again, is unwavering. I think in another movie, maybe she would have been like, it was, it was all a misunderstanding. He told me to kill him. And like, like, you know, try at least to, at the last second, even if it was too late, um, reveal some of the truth, but she never does. She never says what happened. (laughs) She never says, um, bill broke in and robbed me never says that he actually asked her to kill him not that that matters but you know contextually i guess she like it it wouldn't matter legally but like at least then people would have the context i mean
0: yeah exactly
1: but she never does that and it's just another like unexpected thing i I don't want to give him like all this credit like I, I have problems with him, but, um, I do just find that fascinating that every single time you think you know what a character will do or say, they just never fucking do it. And it's, it adds on to the discomfort, like when you're watching it, because, uh, it's almost like when you're, for me, when I'm watching it, I feel like I'm like flailing, like trying to like come up with some way to save this character even though i can't obviously because i'm watching the movie and it's already made (laughs) you know what i mean
0: yeah exactly
1: you're like no but if you just do this and maybe like it'll be different this time but no it's never different
0: no it's never different
1: i've never seen this end like i i've only seen the ending once Like when I rewatched it for this and I had actually planned to turn it off because it made me so distraught the last time I saw it um, that I was like, I don't know if I can responsibly watch that again um, for my own mental health. But it just so happened that when I was rewatching it, um, I I didn't get a chance to finish it um, for the podcast, but Good it for has, you. It has stuck with me. I think about it almost every day. I'm not kidding. Um, Because, I mean, uh, just to, like, give a little story about when I watched this the first time. I watched it, like, on a whim. Someone had said it was one of the most disturbing movies they had ever seen. I was like, I'll be the fucking judge. Um,
0: <laughs> I'll be the judge of that.
1: <laughs> All I knew, like I said, was that Lars von Trier directed this movie that Bjork is in. I was like, well, if Bjork is in it, I'm going to watch it.
0: Sign me the fuck up. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um, And so I didn't know what was going to happen at all. I I knew that it had a famous ending, but I didn't know what happened in it. Um, And I was tempted to look it up, but I didn't. And I was
0: also <laughs> tempted to look it up and I was like, don't do this to yourself. Don't do
1: it. I'm glad I didn't because yeah. it had such an emotional impact on me. Like I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm a stoic person, but I would say I'm, I think I said this last episode that I'm very good at compartmentalizing yeah. and like, um, I can put my emotions where they need to be, like put it away and focus on whatever I'm I need to do.
0: And I can't do that.
1: <laughs> and that's fine you know
0: <laughs> i know this about myself
1: I, but like i said i wouldn't say i'm a stoic person it's like it's not like i don't feel anything but i, I like i'm not a crier you know I, and yeah it's just how it is um so when i watched this i it was like the middle of the night um i was by Oof. myself oh and um she starts singing and I could feel like my heart like hurts yep. and it was like physical. It wasn't like, Oh, that's so sad. It was like, my heart hurt.
0: <laughs> like, like, no, I'm going to fucking throw up.
1: Like I, to, I like, yeah, it was bad. Um, it was really bad. And, um, <sighs> then they put the hood on her and it's, it's actually really jarring to look at like it's scary. I think whenever somebody like a scene like that where somebody wears a hood and they're like gonna die or something, it freaks me out. Yeah, I think just hoods like, uh, like, you know, like the Zodiac killer hood or like, (laughs) yeah, um, the the strangers. Yeah, yeah, it freaks me out. Um, fair. So that was like a jarring image for me, and then she starts singing and like in a normal movie, she would be able to finish what she was saying. But in this, it's, it's a long scene too. Like she's singing for like a little bit from what I remember. And you're kind of like, um, settling into her voice and settling into the words she's saying and starting to feel a little comforted by it. And then right as you start to fucking feel that he pulls that rug so hard out from under you.
0: Yeah, they they and pull the rope.
1: And yeah away. and it doesn't cut away you see what looks like bjork <sighs> hanged and it, you see it it's so jarring it's it was it I jumped scared I jumped. me. jumped yeah it scared me because it's out of yeah. nowhere even yep. though they say that it's coming you're like surely we won't have to see that but no you do
0: no you do you don't.
1: And that. I remember sitting there just staring, like, at the screen. Even when it was, like, over, I, I couldn't stop looking at the screen because I was like, what the fuck did I just see? Yep. I was just
0: I was staring at the so credits. Upset. Like, I I don't I know couldn't... what I'm supposed to do with myself now. Like, what yeah.
1: do I do? I couldn't move. I, I was, like, physically like in pain and i eventually got up and i went into the bathroom and i looked in the mirror and my face was red puffy and covered in tears i didn't i didn't even know i was crying i was like sobbing i didn't even know because i was just like shell-shocked almost like i was like what the fuck and like I mean, I'm not kidding. Probably for, like, two weeks after I saw it, I I would – I mean, I still get chills when I think about that. But um, I couldn't even think about Bjork. Like I said, I listen to her a lot when I'm, like, feeling anxious or overwhelmed or something. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: Or even just, like – I just like – hearing i just like listening to her but um she is like someone i listen to when i'm like distressed and i couldn't listen to her because i was just stressed about the movie where i had to watch her get hanged and like if i even thought about bjork i would start getting like really like emotional and i would i would get tears in my eyes and i would start like hyperventilating because like i was so worried I actually kept looking her up because I was convincing myself oh, that she was not God. okay. And I had to like, like relearn that it's a movie and Bjork is okay. Like she's alive and like, <laughs> that isn't real. Um, And I know that sounds dramatic, but it's like, it got no, me. No, but
0: like, I get that though a lot. Like I really do get that. Yeah, I
1: I don't know that I have ever experienced something to that level before, and it, like, that's why I listed it as a movie that, like, uh, changed the way I, changed me as a viewer, and it it changed the way I saw film, because I'm just, like, I've never, I I don't, I don't know that I've ever had that kind of emotion, or or, or, um, emotional response, rather, to a film like that before. It just changed how I can... It changed how I see musicals. It changed, like, how I saw Von Cher's work overall. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just... I mean, I, I thought it was, like, a pretty profound ending. Yeah. A perfect ending, but unfair and cruel. Yeah. If I even think about it. Like, when you were talking about it before, I started getting tears in my eyes. I know. I, I have was, a like, I, feel,
0: I know. My tummy hurts now. <laughs> my tummy hurts.
1: And it's, like, even us telling people this, like, if someone, no one ever says this to us, like, oh, you spoiled it, because I think they know the nature of the podcast. But if somebody were to be, like, oh, you spoiled that, no. There's nothing mm. that can prepare you for it. Like you're not going to understand until you watch it for yourself. Like you won't fully understand it. And it is so hard to watch. And it, it stuck with me. I mean, like I said, I saw it once and I could probably recite it how it goes because I think about it almost every day. It's haunting. It's so haunting. That's like haunting. Yep. Oh God. Um, Yeah. So there's, there's nothing that would prepare you for it. I don't think.
0: I'm like weirdly ready to stop talking about this movie. I'm so sad <laughs> All of a sudden my brain's like, no more. No more of this movie for you.
1: Well, that's fine. We're at the end anyway. So. Yeah. Um, did you like this movie?
0: I, I did. I'm really, really glad I saw it. I think it's a beautiful movie. I think it's a nauseating movie. I think it's incredibly well made. I never want to watch it again, but... I'm gonna be thinking about it for a long time.
1: Are you still mad at me?
0: A little, but like I, I I'm jokingly mad at you, but I appreciate you that you pushed me, but I'm still mad at you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> for the listeners, she texted me when she was done watching it and was like, I hate you and then uh and then I was like, I see you finish the movie and she's like, We're not speaking. <laughs> 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 And hey, that's fair. I I told you uh, from day one, I was like, I'm dreading but excited to talk about Dancer in the dark. Yes. And so I'm, I'm glad so glad
0: we did, did. But oof, I'm going to go lay down for a bit now. <laughs> 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 Nothing says happy Sunday like starting off your day talking about Dancer in the dark.
1: <laughs> Truly. Woo! Um, and I don't even need to ask, but I will do it anyway. Did you find it disturbing after all? Yep. Yeah, in a very unexpected <laughs> did, did way.
0: Yes. Yes, in a very, very unexpected way. Don't know what I expected. Wasn't that. So, yep. Yeah.
1: We done did it. We found we... a truly, really disturbing one.
0: Podcast is over. <laughs> just kidding. Back it up,
1: everyone. We did it. Back it up. We did it. <laughs> um, so I think that... <laughs> I think that wraps up "Dancer in the Dark," um, a movie that we hate to love.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, hate yes. to love it. Um. Okay.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to. Vajbans. Oh my god! <laughs> Thank you for listening to Vatchbuns. Never again. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at wonapodcast at w-o-n-a podcast and send us an email at wonapodcast at gmail.com if you have any suggestions for what we should watch and talk about. You can also follow us on Twitter. I am at McGandrews.
1: And I'm at daxibobbin.
0: Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week and we're talking about Antichrist.
1: Your very favorite.
0: I'm about to get fucking angry.
1: (laughs) We're like, oh, you're upset after dancing in the dark? Well, why don't we just talk about fucking Antichrist then?
0: (laughs) Ooh. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening.
1: Bye. Bye.